Well, thank you, Brother Haggett. Appreciate that. And uh, boy, it's good to be back again. And uh, here we are. We are plumb nearly five sermons deep into this thing, all right? And we got tonight and then uh, two more. So tomorrow night and Friday night and uh, everything. And just praying that the Lord will speak to hearts. And uh, boy, I tell you, uh, Jesus said, uh, I'm come that you might have life. Boy, I tell you what, that, that's that song that they just sang. Uh, he took away our burden. And boy, I'm going to tell you, that day I got saved, and man, uh, the Bible says burdens, or, or you know that song says uh, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Man, Jesus is very near, and I, I love that, that thought and that mindset, and I love that Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life, but I'm glad he didn't quit there. I'm glad that he continued on and said, and life more abundantly. Amen. I'm going to tell you, that's the Christian life. Uh, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Absolutely, he did. Uh, he wanted us to, to go from darkness to light. That's what the Bible says. And, uh, and, and so he came to save us. But I'm glad he didn't just purely come just to save us so that he could set us loose and live a life how we want to live or uh, to live this worldly life. Because I'm going to tell you, the worldly life never pays off. Uh, you, you never come back better than you were when you go into the world. That's just the way that it is. And Jesus says, I'm come that you might have life and that you have it more abundantly. The, the Lord is the, has designed the Christian life for us to live that abundant life. Uh, you know, I think about the crossing over the Jordan. You know how many songs are written about crossing over Jordan, about people going to heaven. You know, those are not biblically correct, Okay. Those songs, whenever the Bible talks about going over Jordan, it was this. They were moving out of the wilderness and into the promised land. That they were going to the place where it was going to be an abundant life for them because God had promised that life for them. But they had to make the choice. And so one group of people, they made a choice, and so they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. The next group of people said, hey, let's go up and possess the land. And man, the Lord blessed them and helped them and they crossed over and they lived that life. Tonight, we are going to talk about a man named Peter. Peter had some ups and downs. You know, that's what uh, I tell you, that's not necessarily what I love about Peter. I wish Peter had all ups, okay? But can I say to you tonight, I can relate with Peter. Amen. Peter and I, we got a kindred spirit though we've never met. Uh, Peter, you know, he's the guy that uh, he opens his mouth and inserts his foot often. Peter made some mistakes. And you know, tonight I want to look at, at his life briefly. We're going to be in the Bible. We'll be in Mark is where we're going to be this evening. And, and we're going to take a look at this. And so we've kind of had a theme, if you will. And this is not really a uh, series, if you want to call it that. But boy, we've sure had an awful lot of this. The Lord knows who you are. We're going to see that again tonight in a man named Peter when the Lord looked at him and made a statement and he said, I don't think I'm going to do that, Lord. Everybody else might do it, but not this old boy right here. But the Lord knew who he was. Just like last night, the Lord said, you better check your hearts. Just like the night before, the Lord said, I know your heart. And so here, we're going to just jump right back into this thing again about a man named Peter, and we're going to be in the book of Mark, and we're going to read some scripture here, and we're going to roll through some scripture. Everybody good with using their Bible tonight? I even, man, I even brought some notes to the pulpit this evening. Y'all ought to be impressed. I actually am going to use them a little bit, and so uh, it is going to be great. Uh, Y'all might be like, hey, abandon those things after tonight. I don't know, but <clears throat> we'll see. 
Mark in chapter number three is where we'll start. Mark in chapter number three. And uh, we're going to just flip through the book of Mark. It's an interesting uh, study here, if you ask me. But in Mark, in chapter number three, uh, we will jump in there in verse number 14. Mark, in chapter number three, in verse number 14. As you're turning there, I'm going to read over here in one passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, in chapter uh, number six. And I just want to read this to you. You don't have to flip there. But the Bible says, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor uh, uh, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, or covetous drinkers, uh, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse number 11. The Bible says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Boy, I love that. And I want you to hold on to that thought right there. That thought right there. Uh, you talk about some rough sins that were named. <laughs> he went through a list of them. Oh, man, the adulterers and all this stuff. He says, uh, hey, he says, some of you were just like that. But now you're justified. Made just as though you'd never sinned. Hey, because the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to uh, retain that thought in your mind and in your heart. And let's jump back in here into Mark in chapter number three. And let's talk about Peter for a little while. The Bible says this. And he ordained... 12 that they should be with him. And notice what he says here. And that he might send them forth, notice this, to preach, number one. And to have power to heal sickness, number two. And to cast out devils, number three. So the Lord called these 12 disciples to him, and man, he commissioned them with a lot of power. He gave them a lot of ability. He said, hey, your number one thing is, is you're going to go out there and you're going to preach Christ to all these people and you're going to have the ability to heal folks and you're going to have the ability to cast out devils and man uh, you are going to be used mightily of the Lord because I have called you unto myself and then the Bible says there if you look at that in verse number 16 and Simon he surnamed Peter so right off the bat I, I believe that Peter was one of these guys that stood out in a crowd I do. I believe Peter, man, he was bold. Uh, you know, I went and our church uh, sent my wife and I last year as a Christmas gift. Uh, they sent us to see uh, at the Sight and Sound Theater and they were playing Jesus, you know, on there. And and uh, you can say whatever you want about them. If you don't like them, that's fine. Whatever. I'm telling you, I cried like the whole time, man. I'm telling you what, from start to finish, man, when old Peter walked out there and Jesus called him, man, I'm just blubbering. My wife looks over at me and I, I, I do cry every once in a while, you know, it's allergies really is more what it is. But, uh, you know, and so I, my wife looks over and she 
she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not okay, but I am okay. You know, and man, I just, just seeing that thing. And, and to think of, here is this story of how that, that Jesus called Peter unto him and he changed his name. He changed his life. He cha changed everything about him in a moment's time. And man, not only that, but he gave him a job to do and he sent him out. And he says, hey, uh, Peter, I've not uh, uh, called you away from your job just to follow me, but I've called you away from your job to follow me. And then I've called you so I can send you out to preach the gospel so that I can send you out to heal the sick so that I can send you out to cast out the devils. He says, man, I've called you unto me for a purpose. If you remember Paul there, whenever he gave his testimony to King Agrippa, when he stood before him, he said, the Lord came to me and he says, I have called you for this purpose to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Lord, when he saves you, he gives you a purpose in life. And that's what he did for old Peter right here. Boy, he helped him out. And you talk about on cloud nine. He went from drawing fish out of the sea, hey, to drawing people to Jesus Christ. Man, what a change in his life. We see that he is on cloud nine. We see that it is a great thing. And God had called him. And you know, God has a calling and a purpose for each and every person that is in this room tonight. It may not be to stand behind the pulpit, but I'll tell you this. How should they hear without a preacher? I quoted it the other night. I'll say it again tonight. You may not stand behind the pulpit, but there's a lot of sermons you can preach to help people. Amen. So the Lord calls him to him. We see, man, he's doing really good. If you flip over there in Mark chapter number five, verse number 37. I love to hear those Bible pages turning. The Bible says there, and he suffered no man to follow him. Notice this, save Peter and James and John. Man, you talk about an exciting time right here. You see that he spoke there in verse number 36 and saith unto the rule of the synagogue, be not afraid and only believe. And then he took Peter, James, and John with him. Nobody else. Peter had a special relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see that in multiple different times in the Bible. And we're going to look at some of those tonight. Peter was called unto him, and man, I believe he was as close to Jesus as he could possibly be at this point in time. And Jesus, you know, they called him there in that uh, prior passage of Scripture, if we would have kept on reading, you know, the, the sons of thunder there. And, and uh, man, that, that trio that they had, Peter, James, and John, and, and, uh, and all that. Man, you talk about uh, an exciting group of guys because they got, I, I tell young people all the time, I think I said it on Saturday, God doesn't have favorites, but there's people that God favors. And I told, our, I told these young people, I said, the people God favors is the ones that want to be the closest to him. Why does God use some people more than others? I truly believe it's because those people that God uses more than others are the people that have a true desire just to be close to Jesus. Now, I know there's some phonies out there. I know there's some charlatans, and that's fine. We all understand that. But I would just tell you this. The Lord doesn't pick favorites but people can get in his favor. Amen. I believe that's what happened with Peter, James, and John. Only a few got to see some miracles that he did, and that was Peter, James, and John. Let, let's hasten here. And so uh, in chapter number 8, if you want to flip over there, chapter number 8, the Bible says this in verse number 29. Chapter number 8 and verse number 29, the Bible says, And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And notice this. 
And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. Jesus posed a question to them. I don't know what anybody else says, but I know what the Bible says who spoke up. And that was Peter. There was a question that was posed to a group of people. And there was one old boy who was not ashamed to stand up and say, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's who you are. You're the Christ. You're the Lord. Hey, uh, you're the God man Jesus. You're, you're, you're the man. You're it. And man, he's publicly made that statement. Can I say to you today that we need to take a little tip from Peter uh, like he had there and have the boldness. Sure. Sure, he made some mistakes. And again, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But right now, let's just look at Peter's life for what it is. Son, he had the boldness to make a commitment in front of a group of people to determine who it was that Jesus was. He was more than a ruler. He was more than a great man. He was more than a teacher. He was God Almighty incarnate. And Peter just stepped out on a limb and he made a statement. And sometimes his mouth got him in trouble But other times his mouth did him a favor. And you know, when you step out and make a statement, I believe that we ought to have that kind of boldness as Christians where we step out and we say, it's Jesus and nothing else. Hey, I've had the privilege to be able to pray uh, after each game that I've been at home whenever Chet plays football, uh, fourth grade football there with our public school. And uh, when he's there and he's playing and uh, after every game, I'll go to him, whether the other team wants to or not, but I always go to him and I say, hey, would you mind if we pray? And man, when I start praying, hey, I pray in Jesus's name. I pray that every one of them come to know him as their personal savior, as their personal savior. And man, I pray in specific ways. And guess what? I do not care. I'm not going to pray without Jesus name in a prayer. I'm just going to tell you that I'm not going to pray without putting some kind of gospel out there. Hey, they can ask me not to. And that's fine. There's that prerogative. But if they're going to have me pray, I'm going to put Jesus out there because he is the only thing that will change anybody's life. But man, as Christians, we've cowed down to the world's pressure and the world's philosophy. Well, at least they're praying hogwash. We need to know who we're praying to. We need to know who's in control. And these young people need to hear it. They might not ever hear it at home, and they might not ever darken the doors of a church, but if we got an opportunity, we need to get the Lord Jesus out in front of them. Because you know what? There's a lot of questions in our society today of who Jesus is. And boy, they just need to hear the truth. And Peter, he stepped out and he told everybody the truth. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. Man, what a what a public testimony. Boy, we gotta hurry. I preached a long time on that one. Verse number 32 of chapter number 8, the Bible says, And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to you see that next word? Rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of, boy, that next word right there, men. Peter was doing a pretty good thing. Made a real good statement. But all of a sudden, it became more about Peter than it did about Jesus. All of a sudden, he got himself 
in a place. And I'm going somewhere. I'm going to get there in just a second, okay? But I want to lay this groundwork tonight, all right? And I know we're using a lot of Bible, but it's okay. We're in church, all right? It's revival. And, and so <clears throat> he says, you're not worried about the things of God. You're worried about the things of man. You're more worried about things that are going to pass away. You're, you're more worried about things that are going to burn up. And that, that, their wood, hay, and stubble, they don't matter. They're, they're not eternal. And boy, what a, what a rebuke that Jesus gave to him. And he even said, get thee behind me, Satan. The works that Peter was doing at this point in time were not works of God, but he was a tool in the hand of Satan. And he rebuked Christ, the Savior of the world, the Almighty God who was incarnate. He rebuked the Almighty God in, in, in flesh right there before him and before others. And Jesus says, I've got to take care of this. And so he says to him, get thee behind me, Satan. Man, that, that rebuke was so unwise. Where did he get that kind of boldness? I'll tell you where he got it from. He got it from pride. Yeah. Got it from pride. Peter thought he knew better than Jesus did. Now, when you say those words, there's not one person in here that says, yeah, I'm smarter than Jesus. I'm smarter than his Holy Spirit. Not one person would say that with their mouth because you know, as Christians, how foolish that would sound. But there's a whole lot of people who live that with their life. There's a whole lot of people that do. We wouldn't say it with our mouth because if I said it and I heard, there's sometimes whenever I think there's a real good statement, you know, and I'm like, oh, that sounds real good. And then when it comes out of my mouth, that didn't really sound nearly as good is what it did in here as when it came out and I heard it with my own ears, you know? <laughs> I bet that's how Peter felt when Jesus rebuked him. <laughs> oh, man. Boy, I missed it on that one. Boy, there's a whole lot of people in our churches that are living as if the Lord doesn't know what he's talking about. Why? And we'll talk about this tomorrow night. I believe the Lord lets me. God has given us his perfect word that you hold in your lap. It's an inspired word from him that is a living book that tells us how we live, how we ought to live. And we don't live according to it hardly at all. And the only reason being is, is because we think we know what's best. Peter had the word of God standing before him. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God, Jesus Christ. Okay. He had him standing right before him and he made a foolish mistake. We've got it sitting in our laps right now and we make foolish mistake, foolish mistake, foolish mistake all the time. And it's out of pride. Yeah. Come on. Peter blew it just like a lot of us do. So he rebuked Christ. Christ rebuked him. But here's what I love about Jesus, chapter number nine. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him. Verse number two. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him. Who's that person right there? Peter. And James and John leadeth him up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. 
Now, there's a whole thing that goes on there, and Peter makes another kind of goofy statement. But let me just say this. That's what I love about the Lord, is that even when he just five or six verses before got through rebuking Peter, he drew him back in. You see that? Well, I love that. Hey, you, you know what it is? <laughs> Some of us just need to remind ourselves what it is that drew us to him in the first place. I, I tell our people, we shouldn't forget the day that we got saved, what it was that was so special about Jesus and what it was that he did for us. And man, that feeling that we had, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget Hey, there's people that they get. I think that we ought to have more to praise God for than just our salvation. But at the same time, I think we ought to be careful to praise him for our salvation every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, don't forget what it was that, that drew you to him. And man, here's Jesus. He says, uh, man, just a few hours ago, boy, you really stepped in it, Peter. You really goofed off, goofed up. And, and man, I, I, I had to rebuke you. But after the rebuke, and he says, Peter, James, John, come on. Let's go. Now, was Peter right? I, I Personally, this is my opinion. I don't think Peter had gotten right yet. It's just my opinion. I don't think that there was anything, there's nothing in the Bible that really indicates that Peter went back to Jesus and, and really just patched things up real good. He'd just taken a rebuke. Man, the Lord called him unto him. He drew him back in. I got to hurry here. The Bible says in chapter number 10, let's flip over there. Verse number 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, actually, let's back up verse number 27. And Jesus looking upon them saith, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. So if you see what's going on here, man, there is, we got blind Bartimaeus going on in here. We've got a lot going on in this passage of scripture. And, and we see that truth in verse number 25 that we read the other night about it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man. And, and they were astonished there in verse number 25, 26. But verse number 28, then Peter began to say unto him, lo, we left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left his house or brethren or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. He shall receive an hundredfold. And now's the time. You know, here, I don't know if Peter was complaining. I don't know if he was bragging. But Peter made a statement. He said, Lord, we left all. They saw some miracles go on, and they saw some inabilities, if you look at the disciples' lives. And remember, there were some kind of some stories there about how that they couldn't cast the devils out, and they brought them to Jesus, and Jesus took care of business, and, and, and all that that took place. And Peter just looked at the Lord, he said, we've left everything to follow you. I, I don't know if it was a brag, I don't know if it was a complaint, I, I don't know what it was, but I can tell you this, he's not on the right track. 
When we play the I feel sorry for myself or woe is me because I, I can't stand to hear testimonies. I like it when people say, man, I walked away from the world to Jesus because it was the best life. I don't like it whenever they talk about for 45 minutes what they walked away and how good it was. And then, oh, by the way, Jesus saved me. That annoys me. Because I'm going to tell you, anything in this world, it is a step up to go to Jesus Christ. There's nothing this world has to offer. There's no life that's so great and glamorous. And man, there'll be people talking about, I could have this job and I could have done this and I had all these houses. Boy, I just walked away from it so that I could serve Jesus. My friend, you serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's no greater life than in serving Jesus. Stop your mully grubbing and whining and complaining about the Christian life. It's the greatest life that you could ever live. Man, that's just it. We got a wrong mindset. Everybody wants to hover around in circles and sing kumbaya and worry about the end times. I'm just going to tell you, the Lord came to have us abundant life, the greatest life ever. And if you choose to sit around and complain about things, then it's your own fault. It's not God's fault. Don't bring him into it because he never designed it that way. There's people today, a friend of mine just preached over in Egypt not too long ago, and there's people today that are meeting in Egypt and they're praising God and worshiping God knowing full well somebody could walk into that house and arrest them and they'd spend the rest of their life in prison. And they do it with a smile on their face. And we live in the freest country in the world and we walk in here and it's all we can do to get a holy grunt out of somebody. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. We didn't walk away from nothing to serve God. We walked into everything. So here we go. Let's jump back in the scripture, okay? Chapter number 11, verse number 21. And Peter calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree, when thou cursedst it, it withered, uh, is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto him, have faith in God. Right here, Peter makes a statement. I'm going to abbreviate this one, okay? He said, Lord, I know what you say goes. Remember the story of how he came to the fig tree? And he came and he just wanted to gather a few figs off of it. And we got there. There was none on it. And he cursed the fig tree and it withered up and went away. I believe that in Peter's eyes and heart set home a truth that this, he knew if God said it, if Jesus said it, it was going to happen. So it's amazing to me that he makes this statement. And then not too much later when Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me. No. It's intriguing to me. Let's read on here. Chapter number 14. Let's move. I told you we're using our Bibles tonight. We're using our Bibles. Here we go. Verse number 29. And Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Lord, everybody else is going to do it. Everybody else might leave you, but I'm not going to leave you. Everybody else might run away. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, 
If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. We just read where Peter said to the Lord, Lord, what you says go, what you say goes. And the Lord makes a statement to him. And I believe the statement came because Peter, again, spoke out of pride. And when he spoke out of pride, and he said, hey, everybody else might leave you, Lord, but I'm not going to leave you. Everybody else might deny you, but I'm not going to deny you. And out of pride, and I believe Jesus saw in him that pride, and he knew that, that pride was his greatest weakness. And he may have had a great desire to serve God, but I'm going to tell you, desire is kicked to the wind when pride comes into our life. Pride always overpowers desire. I'm just telling you, we have to keep ourselves humble. And so here, Jesus said to him, not only are you going to deny me once, but you're going to deny me three times. And the Bible says that Peter all the more. Personally, I believe that he was loud and proud about it because there was other people around. And he was embarrassed about his shortcomings. But can I tell you, it had been a lot easier for Peter at that point in time to just go to the Lord and say, Lord, whatever problem I have, I need to get this thing fixed rather than wait until it was too late. So then the Bible says here, verse number 47, and one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant on the high priest and cut off his ear. There we go. Another mistake. Verse number 54, and Peter followed him. Notice this afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants, and he warmed himself. Verse number 67, And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked up on him and said, Thou, uh, and thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch and the cock crew and the maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. And he denied it again. Verse number 71, or I'm sorry, verse number 70. And he denied it again. And a little after that, they stood, uh, they that stood by said again to Peter, surely thou art one of them for thou art a Galilean and thy speech agreed thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said. Remember what Jesus said goes. And the word that Jesus said unto him, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, the Bible says he wept. If you look up that weeping that took place, literally means to convulse, to be so brokenhearted, words can't come out. He was broken. Boy, you talk about a series of ups and downs. Boy, you talk about just a lot of things, a lot of struggles. That's Peter. That's Peter. And at that point in time, when, when Peter did this, man, I'm going to tell you, the, the broken heart that took place and he went out, man, he wept. and When he thought on what he had done, I mean, it was just killing him inside. And man, he was, he was in a bad place. And so as he left, when he took off, 
They then took Jesus. And you know the story of what happened with Jesus. Jesus, they took him there. And man, they were trying him. And, and as they tried him, they had a kangaroo court that they put together. And they had false witnesses that came in. And they took and they decided as Jewish people, they were going to take and buffet Jesus. And so what they did was they uh, to buffet someone, many times they would take and place a, a bag over top of their heads. They'd pull it over their heads. And they would take and put a man down on their knees. And, and they would hold him. And then... Uh, they would come by and then one after another after another they would hey, punch the face of that individual as hard as they could. Many 50, 50 75 or 100 men would get in a line. They said that literally whenever you'd pull the bag off the face of an individual who was buffeted, the face of an individual would come off. The Bible says that his visage was marred. In other words to say this, if you knew who Jesus was prior to the buffeting you would see him and you'd say who is that? And that's what the Jews did. And then they took Jesus and they, they took him, of course, to Pilate's hall and, and they stretched him up. And man, they laid the cat of nine tails upon his back. And now he's bleeding profusely from his face and he's bleeding profusely from his back. And man, he's injured there. And they put a, a purple robe upon him and they, they make fun of him. They put a scepter in his hand, a crown of thorns upon his head uh, that had already been beaten. And, and there they have Jesus and they mock him and they make fun of him. And man, there's an exchange between Herod and Pilate, the Bible says. And and all this, and finally, he stands him up before the people, and he says, who do you want? Do you want Barabbas, or do you want Jesus? And the whole world said, give us Barabbas, and crucify Jesus. And there they took Jesus. Man, they put that cross upon his torn back, and they sent Jesus down that road towards Golgotha there. They took Jesus and they laid him down. And I personally believe that, man, as the soldiers began to get prepared to nail his hands and his feet to that tree, uh, man, I believe that uh, they probably prepared themselves with multiple people because they'd seen people that would fight and squirm and try to get away and, and fight until their last breath. And as they laid Jesus down, literally, Jesus just put one hand out and they drove a nail in that hand and he laid another hand out and they drove a nail in that hand and he put his feet together because the Bible says he laid down his life. No man took it from him, but he gave it. Yeah. And they nailed Jesus to that tree. And when they nailed him there, they lifted him up. Literally, they know they were lifting Jesus up. And he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. They thought they were lifting him up to his death, but they were lifting him up to my life. Yeah. And there when Jesus hung on Calvary, the Bible says that the rocks rent. And you remember when Jesus came in uh, on, that, uh, on that donkey there, and when he was riding in, he says, if these people cease to praise me, the rocks will cry out, and they'll praise me. And whenever Jesus hung on Calvary, the whole world ceased to praise him. But there was one group, the rocks, that was left, and they rent, the Bible says, fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus gave just some hours before. And he hung on Calvary and he died. And they took Jesus to that borrowed tomb. And man, there they put him in that grave. And one day and two days and three days later, hey, up from the grave 
he arose. Hey, with a mighty triumph over his foes. Hey, man, I'm telling you, whenever Jesus died on Calvary, that blood that flowed from him, it went on to the mercy seat, intercessing for the saints. Hey, for all eternity, he gave me forgiveness of my sins that I hadn't even committed yet. There was forgiveness that was given. There was a work that was started right there. When Jesus died on Calvary, what a day that was. Whenever he was there, but it all would have been insignificant had he not risen from the grave on the third day. Hey, he could have done all of that, but had he not risen in his own power and his own strength, it would have not been any good. But he's the only man who's ever lived and died and lived again in his own strength and power. And that's the Lord Jesus. Now, man, what a, what a time. But while all this is going on, don't forget about Peter. Peter's still weeping. Peter's still sad. The Bible says that they had gathered together. You look at the end of John. The disciples had gathered together for fear of them that took Jesus. The Bible says that they were afraid of the Jewish people. Those were the ones that took Jesus. I, I know you got the Roman guards and all that, but man, they hated Jesus. And now they're gathered together thinking if they hated Jesus that much and we were with him all the time, what are they going to do to us? And they were scared. And so they're gathered together for fear. And while they're gathered together for fear, man, Jesus arose from the grave and there were some ladies that came and they were coming to anoint the body of Christ. And when they got there, they said, uh, he is not here for he is risen. Amen. And why don't you go tell the disciples? Now I want you to look at this. I love this. Chapter number 16. We've skipped a little bit for sake of time, but I want you to see this. Verse number six. And he saith unto them, be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where he laid, where they laid him. But go your way. Look at this. Look at this. This is good. This is the whole sermon right here. We've preached this whole time for this one verse. Tell his disciples. Look at those next two words. And Peter. You can go tell them all. You can tell anybody you want to. But you make sure you tell Peter. I know how I left him. And I know where he's at, and I know he's struggling. And I know he's in a tough place right now. So you make sure you know. Make sure you let him know. And you make sure you tell the whole world. But I told you to tell him. Now, y'all don't have to be amazed if you want to, but when I think about that, what, D, what Jesus did for Peter specifically. He says, I, I, he, he's not real. But you go tell the disciples. You go to let everybody know. 
72 hours have passed. Jesus has satisfied, satisfied the demands of God for sin. Uh, Jesus was smitten. It said the Bible says that it pleased the Lord to, to bruise him. And what that meant was not that Jesus or God was happy to bruise his son or to, to punish his son, but in other words, uh, it pleased him. In other words, it satisfied the the, the uh, atonement. It gave uh, satisfaction for the cost that was for sin. And Jesus, he did that on Calvary. And all of this had happened in 72 hours. And man, all these three days later, hey, when Jesus comes up from the grave, he realizes there's one person. Person, boy, that failed him miserably and was really struggling. And man, had a past. And man, uh, it really, it wasn't just that one instance, but he'd been struggling for a while. But Jesus wanted to just make sure that he knew. You let Peter know, I'm alive. I'm okay. I've done plenty of work to cover plenty of problems. It's going to be all right. I can still use him. I can still do something great with him. Hey, no matter if there's a past, I'm greater than the past. I'm greater than a problem. I'm greater than all sin. Hey, because I just took care of all of it. You let Peter know I'm coming his way, and I'm going to see him before long. You just send word. And boy, I love it. He sent word. And boy, when Peter saw Jesus... Oh, when Peter saw Jesus, what a grand reunion that was. Remember, Peter had to take off running the grave just to make sure. <laughs> and there he is. And if you fast forward a little bit, you remember on the day of Pentecost, there was a whole lot of things going on and people were saying, what are we going to do? And this old failure that denied Christ three times stepped up in front of a crowd of people and said, hey, you got to be born again. You got to believe in Jesus Christ. You got to be saved. You got to accept him. And he was the keynote preacher on the day of Pentecost. And thousands of people, 3,000 people at that one time, hey, were saved because a failure preached the sermon of a lifetime. Amen. I love that. And what that tells me is this, is there ain't nobody that God won't use. There ain't nobody that God doesn't want to use. I like to put it that way. God doesn't just use people like they're pawns, but he has a desire. And you know what? Just like the devil walking about seeking whom he may devour. Which, by the way, what book of the Bible is that in? Peter. <laughs> I think Peter had a real good grasp on things about the time that the Holy Spirit caused him to write those words. And he said, yeah, he wants to sift you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to ruin your life. But as much of a desire as the devil wants to ruin your life, God has a far, far, far greater desire to use you. And Peter, probably still with a little bit of regret, I imagine was a little bit more humble and a little bit more cautious in how he proceeded in things. Just stepped up to the plate said, I don't know if anybody else is going to say anything, but I know what Jesus did for me.
I know how he worked in my life. And he can do the very same for you. And tonight, that's about as simple as it gets. I believe the Lord is just making a statement to some of us tonight and just saying this. <laughs> I'm speaking to a lot of people here tonight, but I think God's got some of your names. And he's just saying, I want to use you. Well, I want to see those great things in your life. And he wants you to do the same thing that Peter did, is to have that boldness with humility to stand up before others and say, I don't know what he's done for anybody else. But I can tell you what he's done for me. Boy, in the grace of God, rich. Yes, <laughs> so rich and sweet. And boy, I'm going to tell you tonight that's the invitation. That's the sermon. That's all of it. Because the Lord might just be calling your name tonight. I'm not talking about to be a pastor. Maybe the Lord's calling somebody to preach. I don't know. But he might just be calling your name and saying, come on back. Come on back. Quit living in regret over there. Quit wallowing in your sin. Quit wallowing in your past. I've forgiven all of that. We got work to do. And boy, I'm going to tell you, our past is a hard thing to deal with sometimes. I talk to people all the time. I talk to parents, I talk to families, I talk to folks. I was preaching at a church one time and I, I was preaching to the young people and there were some workers there and I was preaching on just giving your best life to the Lord and all of that. And when I got done, I saw them in the back and they were shaking their head, yes, and man, tears were coming down their face and they came up to me and then they were a sweet couple. They had great kids, sat in church so well. I mean, it was I never would have thought. And they came up with tears in their eyes and they said, Brother Luke, don't quit telling people that the way of the transgressor is hard. We were raised in church. We knew what was right. Mama told me not to marry so-and-so. And I did it anyhow. And whenever I did that, and man, I lived off in a life of rebellion. And man, ended up in divorce. And now I drive three hours every weekend to pick up children. And we're spending money on gas and child support and all these different things. Whenever I could have just listened... And heeded the word of the Lord and done what was right. And my life would have been a whole lot better. And I say that to say this. They were some of the sweetest people I've ever met that have been serving God for years faithfully. If you got something like that in your past, don't let it rule your life. Make a bad decision. Don't let it conquer you. Don't let it determine where you go. Still let God determine where you go and what you do. We can't let our past dictate our future. Not only that, but then those of us here tonight, hey, we got a pretty good thing going. You better not take it for granted. Peter did. And the Bible says he wept bitterly over that one. And I'm just going to tell you, I would rather have the hand, chasing hand of God in my life a little bit right now and get before him and make things right than I would be down the road to have some major regrets. I'd rather just be clean tonight. That's what Peter did and God used him. And that's what you can do tonight. I don't know why the Lord had me preach this message, but I know the Lord wanted me to preach this message, okay? I don't know who it was for. It may have been for one. 
But I feel like there's more people than that. God's got your number. He's calling your name. And he's saying, get back over here. I want to do something with you. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. And Lord, we want to thank you for loving us. My, 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 what... What a difference 72 hours made for one man's life. Lord, tonight I, I pray that because of what you did on Calvary, Lord, maybe you'd help some folks this evening get through some past. Maybe there was some heartbreak. Maybe there was somebody that hurt them or maybe they just made some foolish decisions. They ran from the Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be dictated by their past, their future wouldn't be, but rather be dictated by you, who doeth all things well. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that you just help your people and bless this invitation. With heads bowed and eyes closed this evening, is there somebody that said, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. If I died right now, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Listen, I'll not come to you or embarrass you or point you out, but I want to pray for you this evening. You say, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Anyone like that? I'm not sure that I'm saved. Here's the invitation. God calling your name? There's some of us need to come down an old-fashioned altar and just get on our knees and be like, man, this old devil keeps throwing everything at me, what I've done in the past. Maybe tonight the Lord's just saying, go tell the disciples, and whatever your name is. I've got victory for them. It's just ahead. So tonight, I just plead with you, if God's calling your name this evening, would you come? Jesus, bless this invitation. Do a work in hearts. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand with heads bowed this evening.